Chapter 6 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. I have digressed a great deal, but no one will blame me who understands the importance of what has been said. Let us now return to the love which it is good and lawful for us to feel. This I have described as purely spiritual. I'm not sure if I know what I'm talking about, but it seems to me that there is no need to speak much of it, since so few, I fear, possess it. Let any one of you whom the Lord has given it praise him fervently, for she must be a person of greatest perfection. It is about this that I now wish to write. Perhaps what I say may be of some profit, for if you look at virtue, you desire it and try to gain it, and so become attached to it. God grant that I may be able to understand this, and even more that I might be able to describe it, for I am not sure that I know when love is spiritual and when there is sensuality mingled with it, or how to begin speaking about it. I am like one who hears a person speaking in the distance, and though he can hear that he is speaking, cannot distinguish what he is saying. It is just like that with me. Sometimes, I cannot understand what I am saying, yet the Lord is pleased to enable me to say it well. If at other times what I say is ridiculous and nonsensical, it is only natural for me to go completely astray. Now, it seems to me that when God has brought someone to a clear knowledge of the world and of its nature and of the fact that another world, or let us say another kingdom, exists, and that there is a great difference between the one and the other, the one being eternal and the other only a dream, and of what it is to love the Creator and what to love the creature. This must be discovered by experience, for it it is a very different matter from merely thinking about it and believing it. When one understands by sight and experience what can be gained by the one practice and lost by the other, and what the Creator is, and what the creature, and many other things which the Lord teaches to those who are willing to devote themselves to being taught by Him in prayer, or whom His Majesty wishes to teach, then one loves very differently from those of us who have not advanced thus far. It may be, sisters, that you think it is irrelevant for me to treat of this. And you may say that you already know everything I have said. God grant that this may be so, and that you may indeed know it in the only way which has any meaning, and that it may be graven upon your inmost being, and that you may never for a moment depart from it. For if you know it, you will see that I am telling nothing but the truth when I say that he whom the Lord brings thus far possesses this love. Those whom God brings to the state are, I think, generous and royal souls. They are not content with loving anything so miserable as these bodies, however beautiful they may be, and however numerous the graces they possess. If the sight of the body gives them pleasure, they praise the Creator, 
But as for dwelling upon it for more than just a moment, no. When I use the phrase dwelling upon it, I refer to having love for such things. If they had such love, they would think they are loving something insubstantial and were conceiving fondness for a shadow. They would feel shame for themselves. They would not have the effrontery to tell God they love him without feeling great confusion. You will answer me that such persons cannot love or repay the affection shown to them by others. Certainly they care little about having this affection. They may from time to time experience a natural and a momentary pleasure at being loved. Yet as soon as they return to their normal condition, they realize that such pleasure is folly, save when the person's concern can benefit their souls, either by instruction or by prayer. Any other kind of affection wearies them, for they know it can bring them no profit and may well do them harm. Nonetheless, they are grateful for it and recompense it by commending those who love them to God. They take this affection as something for which those who love them lay the responsibility upon the Lord, from whom, since they can see nothing lovable in themselves, they suppose the love comes, and think that others love them because God loves them. And so they leave his majesty to recompense them for this and beg him to do so, thus freeing themselves and feeling they have no more responsibility. When I ponder it carefully, I sometimes think this desire for affection is sheer blindness, except when, as I say, it relates to persons who can lead us to do good so that we may gain blessings and perfection. It should be noted here that when we desire anyone's affection, we always seek it because some interest, profit, or pleasure of our own. Those who are perfect, however, have trodden all these things beneath their feet and have despised the blessings which come to them in this world and its pleasures and delights in such a way, even if they wanted to, so to say, they could not love anything outside God or unless it had to do with God. What profit then can come to them from being loved themselves? When this truth is put to them, they laugh at the distress which had been assailing them in the past as to whether their affection was being returned or no. Of course, however pure our affection may be, it is quite natural for us to wish it to be returned. But when we come to evaluate the return of affection, we realize that it is insubstantial, like a thing of straw, as light as air, and easily carried away by the wind. For however dearly we have been loved, what is there that remains to us? Such persons, then, except for the advantage that the affection may bring to their souls, because they realize that our nature is such that we soon tire of life without love, care nothing whether they are loved or not. Do you think that such persons will love none and delight in none save God? No. They will love others much more than they did, with a more genuine love, with greater passion, and with a love which brings more profit. That, in a word, is what love really is. And such souls are always much fonder of giving than of receiving, even in their relations with the Creator Himself. This 
holy affection, I say, merits the name of love, which name has been usurped from it by those who base affections. Do you ask again by what they are attracted if they do not love things they see? They do love what they see, and they are greatly attracted by what they hear. But the things which they see are everlasting. If they love anyone, they immediately look right beyond the body, on which, as I say, they cannot dwell, and fix their eyes on the soul and see what there is to be loved in that. If there is nothing but they see any suggestion or inclination which shows them that if they dig deep, they will find gold within this mine, they think nothing of the labor of digging since they have love. There is nothing that suggests itself to them which they will not willingly do for the good of that soul since they desire their love for it to be lasting. And they know quite well that it is impossible unless the loved one has certain good qualities and a great love for God. I really mean that it is impossible, however great their obligations, and even if that soul were to die for love of them and do them all the kind actions in its power, even had it all the natural graces joined in one, their wills would not have the strength enough to love it or nor would they remain fixed upon it. They know, and have learned, and experienced the worth of all this. No false dice can deceive them. They see they are not in unison with that soul, and that their love for it cannot possibly last. For unless that soul keeps the law of God, their love will end with life. They know that unless it loves him, they will go to different places. Those into whose souls the Lord has already infused true wisdom do not esteem this love, which lasts only on earth at more than its true worth, if indeed at so much. Those who like to take pleasure in worldly things, delights, honors, and riches will account it of some worth if their friend is rich and able to afford them pastime and pleasure and recreation. But those who already hate all this will care little or nothing for such things. If they have any love for such a person, then, it will be a passion that he may love God so as to be loved by him. For, as I say, they know that no other kind of affection but this can last, and that this kind will cost them dear, for which reason they do all they possibly can for their friend's profit. They could lose a thousand lives to bring him a small blessing. Oh, precious love, forever imitating the captain of love, Jesus, our good. <laughs>